Welcome to this edition of At The Mic. I'm your host, Keith Malinak. This week, I sit down with a relatively new friend of mine, Josh Nelson. He and I get things started next. But first, I want to talk about the holidays because they're fast approaching. It's that time of year. And how great is the flavor of pumpkin spice? How about you try it in a full city blend of American Pride Roasters coffee, huh? That's the bursting flavor you're going to find from APR's Thanksgiving blend. And speaking of Thanksgiving, did you know that there are four towns in the United States that go by the name of Turkey? There's Turkey, Arizona, Turkey, Louisiana, Turkey, North Carolina, and Turkey, Texas. I wonder what their high school mascots are. Anyhow, when you're enjoying your post-Thanksgiving meal in a few weeks, you're going to want coffee with that. And APR Coffee's first Thanksgiving blend is what you need to be sipping. Head to APRCoffee.com, put the blend in your cart, and at checkout, be sure to use promo code ATM. You're going to get 10% off your purchase. And while you're there, check out the many selections, including K-Cups, huh? From APR. Uh, My personal favorites are the George Washington Carver, the peanut butter-infused blend, and the perfect-for-any-occasion Calvin Coolidge blend. I hope you'll check them out if you haven't already. That's APRCoffee.com, promo code ATM, for 10% off. You're listening to At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Josh Nelson is this week's guest on At The Mic, and if you heard last week's episode, you may recall my mentioning his wife, Cambry, who was my guest back in episode 48, in case you want to go and listen to my conversation with Josh's better half. Well, Josh hails from California, but now he's more than happy to call Texas home. He's got a warning for young athletes that he shares, and he has some very interesting tax advice that you're going to want to be listening for as well. My conversation with Josh Nelson starts right now. I mean, you're the other half of Cambry Nelson, who was an earlier episode of this program. And I mean, you guys are like my favorite DFW power couple. <laughs> How you doing, man? She's the better half. Yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. For sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, you're an interesting character in your own right. So I had to come back and talk to you as well. Plus, I, your dogs love me and I, I needed that interaction as well. Bill can be a, a little scary when you first see him. He's a big French Mastiff. But uh-huh. All he knows how to do is bark. Okay. Okay. But really, that's all he needs to do. Right. You know? Right. Bandit. Uh, so he barks. Bandit tears limb from limb. Yeah. Yep. Okay. The little blue pit. Bandit, Bandit comes in to finish the job. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, the dogs behave that way when you're here because I'm here. Oh, okay. If I wasn't here, it'd be a whole different story. Oh, well, I promise to never show up here if you're not here then because I don't want to Bill's only 150 pounds, so he can can pin you in the corner while Bandit tears you up. And he nearly did earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So thanks for intervening. So you live in Texas now, but you were born and raised in California, right? Yep. California baby. Would you ever live in California again? Do you miss California? I do, to be honest. Uh Um, My whole family lives there. And, you know, when you grew up somewhere and then you have kids, you want to take your kids to the places that you went when you were young. And, you know, living in California, I, I was able to skate. I was able to snowboard. I was able to surf. We had Palm Springs. We've got Disneyland, Knott's Berry Farm. 
Universal Studios. We can go north to San Francisco or down to San Diego or 30, you're 30 to minutes to an hour away from pretty much anything. But the political climate is sure. really the reason that I left. That's what I was wondering. Do you miss the California of your youth or do you miss the California of today? Well, <laughs> the California of my youth doesn't exist anymore, which yeah. is sad. I mean, we used to play outside, you know. You don't see kids doing that really that much anymore. Parents are afraid to let their kid go down to the corner because they think they're going to get kidnapped or, or their their kids are going to get taken away from them. And I, I just don't remember that world when I was a kid. You yeah. know, we were always out building tree houses, digging forts and tunnels and Which holes. And, yeah, I mean, climbing in the sewer and just, you know, <laughs> doing all what kinds you? of, you know, just exploring, you know, just. You know, I started to say, wait a minute. You climbed around in the sewer and then I had to stop myself because, wait a minute, I did that too. I know, you know, Georgia, <laughs> you know, hey man, and, and we'd go down to the wash and, you know, hang out in the wash and you, you just don't see that anymore. And yeah. it's like, you know, San Francisco, you know, we would go up to Fisherman's Wharf and do all that cool stuff up there. You can't do that anymore. It's too dirty. There's too many homeless people and needles and syringes and people peeing and crapping on the sidewalk. I mean, it's sad. Yeah. So. Well, now New York's like the same thing. Everybody's leaving, you know. Yeah, it, yeah. The, it, the pandemic really changed a lot of people's mindset, I think, where, oh, wait, I can work from anywhere? Why am I in fill in the blank, whether it's New York or L.A.? Why am I subjecting myself to this if I can do the same job in a Texas or a Florida or something like that? I think that's what's happening. If you look at what's happened in other countries, right, where governments have, have taken over and created communism and all that stuff, they they got to isolate people away from each other. And that's kind of how I feel the, the world is becoming, right? It's all this technology, right? They promote it as this great evolution, you know, and, and how it's going to help humanity and make things easier for people. But we're becoming more and more dependent on these things now to where, let's say the whole grid went out. We got hit with a nuke or something. No power, mm -hmm. no gas, no food. Do you really think people in this country could survive? They, would, they wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> oh, no. No, and we've seen that, actually. So, I, so I can't go down out. and get a hamburger? Like, how am I going to get my food? <laughs> you know? Well, we've seen that. Like, I think it was, was it New York or D.C.? I think it was New York. I don't know. The power went out. I remember about 15 years ago, it went out for, I don't know, half a day. And <laughs> there was chaos in the streets. So, yeah, you're absolutely right in that respect. You have a book. You're an author, man. This is this is exciting news. You just had this book come out, Unveiling the Secrets of the Rich. Uh, Josh D. Nelson. You've got to tell us about putting your money into a trust because I'm fascinated by this to kind of protect it from taxes and stuff. I love this. Josh, tell people this secret, please. The secret is out. I pay attention to what people say. And you look at the four years that Trump was in office, right? All the media could talk about was his taxes. They were all hung up on he doesn't pay any taxes or he pays very little taxes. I'm the guy sitting here going, this guy's a genius. <laughs> you know, he must have a lot of very smart people around him because he's not in jail. They're talking about it on the news publicly, but they're no one's no one's going after him. No one's putting him in jail. So in my mind, I'm thinking, OK, he's got to be doing something legally. Well, that's kind of when I started exploring this. And, you know, about a year into Trump's presidency is when I really started digging in 
and looking into the tax code and, and what wealthy people are doing different than we are. Because I also heard that Amazon doesn't pay any taxes, you know, the Targets and the Walmarts of the world. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is going on here? Right. Well, I discovered this trust and I actually know a guy here in Dallas that, that owns the copyright. It's a copyrighted trust. Right off the bat, the, the credibility is there. So when I started looking at it and I saw the fact that it had a copyright on it, I said, okay, I really have to look into what this thing can do. It's called a non-grantor, irrevocable, complex, discretionary spendthrift trust. Wow, you have to rewind this uh, 15 seconds on your podcast and keep writing all this stuff Exactly, down. and that's <laughs> another reason why nobody knows about uh-huh. it, right? And every one of those words- Does it have words, an acronym? Every, no, every, <laughs> it, it, technically it's a spendthrift trust, but it's got other provisions in it, right? Like it's got discretionary power, which gives the trustee basically all of the decision-making power, which you don't have on a legislative trust. Mm. Most trusts, the trustee is like an employee and they're basically executing whatever the trust document says, right? So if there's beneficiaries on there, the trustee has to make distributions on schedule to provide for those beneficiaries. Well, why is, why does a trust force a distribution? Because they want their tax money. Our trust is a contract law trust. Mm-hmm. The biggest difference with ours is that it's a non-grantor. And I mean, for the audience that's listening, this is really the main thing that you need to understand is that a grantor trust means you came up with the idea. You went down to a lawyer or a legal zoom and you told them about your idea. I want to create a trust. They create the trust. You're the grantor, meaning you're granting it into existence. Well, the IRS looks at that as an extension of yourself. Mm -hmm. They actually call it an extension of your alter ego. So now you take these assets that you want to protect in this trust (laughs) and you convey them to the trust, right? So you just give them to the trust, but they're still in your name. Yeah, yeah. So you still own the property, (laughs) but it's in a trust. And this is constitutionally protected. They say... (laughs) Here's the thing, though. If someone sues you, yeah, I can get your property out of that trust because it still belongs to you because it's a part of your alter ego. Our trust is non-grantor, which means we have a third party that sets up the trust. They establish the trust. Then they appoint you all the power. So they now appoint you as the what we call the trust guardian, which is the highest level of authority on the trust and the trustee. Once that's done, then that person resigns from their position on the trust. <laughs> so the grantor, and you see how funny this is because yeah. the politicians are the ones that come up that, with these that's things. That's what I want to explore because you you kind of um, uh, really scoped it down for me when we were talking off air about how this remains legal because this is what all the politicians and all the bigwigs do with, with their finances, yeah? You think they pay taxes? They don't oh, pay they're, taxes. They're patriotic, man. They come out multi-millionaires you know that's why people get into politics because they know they can fleece the american people you know you run for office we'll pay we'll back you and you know, we're gonna pay you a bunch of money to pass all of our agenda mm-hmm. and that's really what it comes down to so you've got and it's not the politicians that create this stuff it's higher than that there are families that are so rich and so powerful that we'll never even know who they are right and they're the ones that really pull the strings and pass these things down and these are the tools that these families have been using for forever. I mean, they operate all through a trust because they get the anonymity, the protection, and no one can ever go after them for anything. I I love it. I'm intrigued. I, I would like to point out, this isn't the first podcast that I've done in someone's home where apparently my presence is so boring 
that the dog in the room is uh, off in the corner sleeping and snoring loudly. So, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Wait till the snoring picks up. Yeah. It takes about 10 minutes. It progressively gets louder and louder. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Bill back there. Uh, oh, sorry. I said his name. All right, go back to sleep, buddy. I won't say it again. Okay, before you became this wealth management guru type, you've held other jobs in your life. Uh, are you still into fitness much? Because you used to be, what, a fitness trainer, fitness manager? Um, I mean, I'm not fit, so I can't <laughs> relate. Is that something you still are a big part of? I, I do like fitness. I probably don't participate <laughs> as much as I used to yeah. um, or as much as I'd like to just okay. because I'm so busy. But yeah, yeah, it, it was a big part of my life for a long time. Yeah. Well, I've got to tell you, and I'm being completely serious when I say... One of the jobs you held as a painter, I don't have the patience to paint a bathroom in my house. <laughs> I let my wife handle any... I mean, that's why that's why my house has crazy odd colors in it. It's because I just say, look, you pick a color, you paint the room, done. I don't have the patience to even tape a blue line, in a, you know, across the, the, the middle of the wall or wherever, you know, the bottom, around the edges and stuff. Is it just me or is it equally frustrating for someone who actually has talent to actually paint a room? That's a funny question. <laughs> That's what we do so here I, on At The Mic. So I guess it, when it comes to my own house, yeah. I feel exactly like you do. Okay. But if I'm painting someone else's house and I was getting paid for it. Right. Okay. It was a different feeling. Sure. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And I didn't feel like I had to rush, and I didn't have to move all my crap all over. That's I just, what... that's yes. the part I think I don't like, is having to clean up and move. Well, when we would paint someone's house, I'll paint around it if you don't move it. I was going to say, can you, can you just cover it up? <laughs> you know? Would you rather do cover it up or move it out? Yeah, so they, you know, they, they would move everything out. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then we would usually go in and we would tape one day. We'd cut one day and then we'd come in and spray or paint the next day. So it kind of broke it up a little Wait, bit. Wait, what's cut? I know the taping. Like cutting in the, you know, the edges and stuff. Oh, okay. I got you. I, you, I, you can't roll up all the way up to the top. So you usually got to cut down, you know, six inches or so. And then, oh, then you okay. can roll. I got you now. Yeah. yeah. But I, it was fun. I, it, You know, look, I love creating things. Mm -hmm. I love projects. I like making things. And, and so when I would paint. I enjoyed the process, but what I enjoyed the most was looking at the final product and saying, I did that. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're a better man than me, but there are three things that frustrate me more than anything. It's painting. It's dealing with plumbing issues in my house. And I'm not kidding when I say this. You think it's for comedy bit, you know, uh, it's, it's going to get cheese at like a super Walmart. I, I encourage everyone to try this because Carrie will send me to the store for like four or five items. And one of them is come home with like Mexican blend, you know, four cheese, whatever, you know, light, whatever. It, it, like there is a specific assignment and I will stand there. Go, go do this. Go to super Walmart and look. And, and first of all, have somebody randomly, uh, just pick, pick one flavor or whatever that, that you want and good luck finding it because there's like a hundred slots I'm standing there looking at all of these shredded cheese bags. Anyway, <laughs> it's probably me. Like I'm going to be telling this story on a couch in a few years. I thought you were going to say like moving or something. Well, moving is not fun either. <laughs> Talk about cheese. Well, when you're in radio, you move a lot. And I have. Knock on wood. 
This is real wood, right? It looks I hate great. moving, but I love moving at the same time. Yeah, I hate the process of moving, but I like the feeling of being in a new place. That's true. I'm with you there. So I just I want to stay put for a while because it is not a fun process. You're absolutely right about that. Yeah, okay. Well, now I'll just pay somebody to move me. <laughs> yeah. So you've cleaned pool tile. Was that rewarding or is that frustrating? That seems like that would be um, I was I was young, so it was good money at the time. You know, I was... So the pool's drained and you're just in there, what, scrubbing away? Or? Yeah, I was 16, 17. Hmm. We had a... Uh, we would actually use this glass bead stuff, which was kind of like a sand, like a silica sand. And you you put it in a in a machine that blows it out real hard. But that glass bead is not very abrasive on the tile. Like sand is very abrasive. Uh -huh. This stuff, you could spray the tile and it would just like literally dissolve all the calcium on the tile. Make huh. the pool tile look brand new. Huh. I'm fascinated by that. It was cool. Would that work in like a I shower too? Um, yeah, it'll work everywhere. It'll just be real messy. Yeah, okay. You know, the glass bead, it falls down in the pool. I'm looking for anything that you cuts let it, a corner for you, me. You let it settle for 10 minutes and then you just vacuum it out. And then we would take it home and dump it out on the side of my, the guy I was working for, we'd dump it out on the side of his house on the concrete and it would dry out and we could reuse it four or five times. Oh my gosh. Till it got too dirty. And what's know? that stuff called? Just glass bead. Oh my goodness. I'm writing that down. Never seen anybody ever do that other than the guy that I that I worked with. But but that was fun. I got to climb in a pool every day. You know, we'd do three or four pools a day. Mm -hmm. I was getting 20 bucks an hour when I was 16 years old. So it was really good money. Yeah. So <laughs> you build guns as a hobby. For myself. Yeah. Oh. I, I enjoy it. I need you to build me one. I'll give you the specs. Well, unfortunately, I don't have my license to do that. But Oh, well, as soon as you get your license, then I'll have you do that. I may someday. I, I've had a few of my friends that have seen some of the guns I built myself that really want one. But, you know, I'm, I'm a law-abiding guy, so. Of course. Of course. Aren't we all? But I've had a lot of people tell me to go get your FFL. Go get your license so that you can build them. Well, I don't know if I'd want to go do that just to build a couple, you know? Hmm. Could you build me a potato gun? That I could do. Okay. <laughs> no, don't, don't go. I don't trust myself. No, I love. I, I really love. Gun. <laughs> I love building guns because they're they're very intricate. Uh -huh. I love figuring out how everything works. I love building 1911s because I build them all by hand, from scratch. Nice. Uh, you know, a lot of people buy the frame and then buy the slide and, and they just put it together. I actually make them. You're a big music fan. If you had to recommend three bands right now that I likely have never heard of. What would those three bands be? I don't even think I could name one, to be honest with you. I don't really listen to much music anymore, other than like what I've always listened to my whole life. I don't like any of the new music that's out now. That's true. That's it's a very point. raunchy. It's trashy. You know, I'm the, I'm a mood guy when it comes to music. Mm -hmm. so, if so I'm in like, like an aggressive mood, uh -huh. I like to go back and I'll listen to, you know, my Slayer, Metallica, Pantera, because <laughs> I'm, I'm used to them. Do you have a playlist or you do you just tell the app to just play yeah, this just tell, genre? I just tell that, I tell Siri to play whatever I'm in the mood for, okay. you know? I obviously, I play guitar. I used to have a guitar behind me. So right. I, I do enjoy playing music. So I listen to music that, right. that I appreciate from someone that plays music. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people like don't like my wife. She doesn't really like heavy metal. But when you play the guitar and you watch a Carrie King do a guitar solo, 
that is mind blowing to me, mm-hmm. you know? So when I listen to it, it, I listen to it, I guess, from a different perspective. Okay. I, it's just the music these days. It, they, no, you're absolutely right. It, it is horrid. Well, um, and I feel like a lot of it has kind of the, the, the political aspect to it mm-hmm. too, you know? No, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. In fact, I was just looking up an old tweet. Okay. So this was just how we have dubbed music over the decades. And I, and I, Tweeted out 1970s radio to 8-track, 1980s radio to cassette tape, 1990s CD to cassette tape, 2000s digital to CD, 2010s subscription service, and 2020s and beyond, music will suck so much that nobody will want recordings of it. And so that's, uh, I'm right there with you. That's kind of how I feel, <laughs> you know, I, I, this new music, I just don't, I don't know what they're talking about. And, yeah, it's, and the rap, oh my right. gosh, it's mm-hmm. just raunchy. Yeah, your, um, your favorite comfort food is a hamburger. I love hamburgers. I, and I, I like that. I like that. That's a good answer. Do you have a favorite restaurant or a favorite? Uh, you can have two answers here. You could do your favorite restaurant hamburger, and you can do your favorite fast food joint burger. If you have a couple of answers that you would like to direct us to, hmm, which ones are going to pay me? I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Hat Creek Burger is really good. I I really love Hat Creek Burger. It's not too greasy for you. It's a little greasy, I mean, I ate there especially one time. when I add the French fries onto the burger. Yeah. I have to do that. Okay. There's certain places that I have to put the French fries on the burger, hmm. or it's not the same. What, what, I've never done this. Tell me. Where it I... has to do with the fries, I think. Huh. Hat Creek That's has this idea. seasoning on there that when you yeah. add it to the burger, it just That's a good, it gives it a certain okay. taste that you huh. don't get. Like I remember one time they forgot my freaking fries. <gasps> it was not the same burger. Wait. I almost wanted to get a refund. Did no, you not? Did you not go up there and, and, and say, "Where are my fries?" Well, when you DoorDash it, you just get your oh, money back. You know. Snap! Gotcha. Okay. By the time it gets there, yeah, you don't want to order it again. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, Hat Creek's got a good burger. Um, have you ever been to the Varsity in Atlanta? You heard about that? It's mm-hmm. this. Uh, I have not. Fast pace. It's honestly anybody that's listening. See, this is the thing. People say I've got to get to Texas to try a Whataburger. Completely overrated. People say I've got to get to Atlanta to eat at the Varsity. Completely overrated. You want to talk about a grease pit. If this is sacrilege to anybody listening in Atlanta, my hometown where I was born and raised, I'm sorry. The Varsity, known for their hamburgers and fries, it is grotesque. I mean, it's just, it's a grease pit. In fact, this is a true story. I'm sorry to keep babbling here. But when I was a senior in high school, I didn't have acne. I had skated through it. We went to a Braves game, and on the way, we ate at the Varsity, and I woke up the next morning with like three new zits on my face out of the blue, and I was like, freaking Varsity, and I have been battling them ever since, quite frankly. So anyhow, sorry to derail there. Yeah, Lazy Dog has a good burger, too. If you want to talk about restaurant, they have a really good burger. All right, all right. Noted. How about fast food joints? Well, of course, Mm In-N-Out, especially being a California guy. Five Guys is good. Mm Mm-hmm. Me and my wife debate that all the time. I'm an In-N-Out guy. She's a Five Guys. Yeah, because In-N-Out, it tastes better because it's cheap. Much better. No, the price is cheap. Yeah, Yeah. Five Guys is a little more expensive. I don't know. In-N-Out's just got a good burger. They've got their own flavor. It's it's the best of both worlds, if you ask me. It's it's cheap, and it's excellent. Being in Texas, I mean, there's so many good burgers here. I mean, Wayback Burger is good. Would you agree that Whataburger is overrated? It's overrated. It's a good fast food burger. I'd pick it over McDonald's. I wouldn't pick it over 
Burger King probably. I think Burger King's got a pretty good burger. Yeah, I'm with you on that one for sure. I like this famous people that you've met. Famous Amos, huh? Tell us about that. Because I used to go to Sam's Club, Costco, and buy the big box. Funny story. Famous Amos lost Famous Amos. Yeah, I think I saw a little blurb on that once. Yeah, Yeah, meeting him was very interesting. So my wife and I, we built a huge network marketing business. And we ended up recruiting him into our network marketing team. So he was a part of our downline. Wow. Lives in Hawaii. So we went out and visited with him a couple times and, you know, help, helped him kind of build a team with us. Mm-hmm. But he's got an interesting story. You know, he, he wasn't good with money back then and he made the wrong deals and he lost his name. He lost his name. That's right. They took his name. They took his picture. And that's why you still go to the grocery store and you'll see Famous Amos. But the recipe is not the same as what it was. You know how these big box companies, once they get something, they want to cheapen it and mass produce it and all mm-hmm. that. Well, he just launched another cookie company. He couldn't even use his own name. That's... Isn't that insane how people prey on people like that? Wally Amos? Yeah, I think it's called Wally Amos Cookies, I think, or something. Man, 85 years old, huh? But he's still going, and he makes all of them at home. So wait, does he still live in Hawaii? He still lives in Hawaii. So if I wanted to interview him for this podcast... Oh, no, I'm going to have to travel to Hawaii. Oh, no. Yep. I'll yeah. tell you what. He's an interesting guy. He's a really, really good man. Oh, please give him my number. Tell him I'm interested in sitting down with him. And he's one of the most positive people. Yeah. It's funny. People that go through that kind of stuff in life, they're either really one way or really the other way. And this guy is point. really a good way. You yeah, know, it was really very, he turned it into a positive experience yeah. in his life. You and I respect it. people like that. I don't, I, I, it's hard for me to be around people that, go through stuff and then it just it's stuck with them forever like they got, their they've got a chip on their shoulder yeah sure. like they they filter everything based that's, off what happened to them you know 20 years ago that's an interesting point because you tell the story about what happened to him and then i'm upset for him right you know and yet it happened to him and you say that he's handling it really well please do give him my information because sure. i would love to uh Yeah, I'd love to hear him on an interview, too. Yeah, absolutely. Back to our conversation with Josh Nelson in just a moment. But first, I want to know, have you tried the freeze gel from Dr. Monroe's yet? Well, are you in pain? Then you need to try this, please. (laughs) Dr. Monroe's freeze gel targets the pain on the K-channel receptor that helps repair damaged nerves and works to repair tissue damage. I mean, that, that sounds good and all, but what I know is that it works for me as do so many of the great products from Dr. Monroe's CBD. And when you make any purchase, they generously send 20% of that to the Child Help Abuse Hotline. Such a great organization that looks out for kids who are in unhealthy situations. Head to drmonroescbd.com. Be sure to use promo code Keith when you check out, and they're going to knock 15% off to save you some cash. That's drmonroescbd.com, promo code Keith. Snoop Dogg, you met him, huh? Yep, met him back in the day. Uh, back, that, back in the day. Back in the day. Back, back when uh, MTV played music videos and Yo MTV Raps was on when I'd get home from high school. Yeah, f- that's where I met a, a friend, Snoop, friend of mine that um, visited him to bring him some social stuff. <laughs> some social stuff. Some social stuff. In quotes. <laughs> yeah. Is he a nice guy? He was a nice guy. Uh, kind of a weird guy. Um, he lived up in, I think it was Palo Alto, uh, which is in California. We pulled up to his house. He had a big gate. We went in there and 
he just played video games the whole time and socialed. <laughs> it's socialed. He socialed the whole was time. It, was it four twenty in the afternoon when you were there? It was just. It was about four nineteen when we got there. Yeah. So and four twenty one when you left. Yep. But you know, I had an interesting childhood to say the least. Okay. I, I didn't run with the best of people, but no, that was fun. It, it was it was cool because back then. I looked at celebrities different than I do now. Mm-hmm. Now I could care less, Yeah, you know, just because they're on TV. Um, I used to think that that made somebody different than me, better than me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Maybe growing up is just like, I idolized people like that. Now I don't, you know, because now I realize most of them are controlled and what you see <laughs> is really not who that person <laughs> is. So what true. they say is, is typically not even what they believe. You can tell it in their face, mm-hmm. you know, but um, it was a cool experience. Now, if you could go back in history and meet one person, you put Buddha. Tell us what, what you would uh, like to talk to Buddha about. Just life. Mm-hmm. I don't know. When I, when I read stuff by Buddha, it just resonates with me. I'm not Buddhist. Um, I just, when I read it, it, it just, I feel like it's knowledge that I already knew. It's hard it's, to explain. It's, yeah, it's almost like a... Um... Some of the things that he said are almost like a calming meme, right? And and that's not that's not to show disrespect. That's just to say they're just like little nuggets of wisdom. Yeah, like I have a kind of... I have a picture in my bathroom. Uh-huh. I'm sure you saw it. Yeah. It, it talks about Well, I wasn't in there that long. Yeah, it talks about being <laughs> being in the present moment yeah, and like, not, yeah. not living in the past, right, right. you know? And mm-hmm. it's just it's things like that that I think we as humans we forget because we're just so bombarded every day with sales and People trying to shove things down our throats. You turn on the TV, you've got commercials. You drive down the road, you got billboards. You go in the store and there's advertisements everywhere. And it's just every day we're bombarded yeah. with stuff, yeah. you know, and it's on, it's, it's by design. It's to keep us occupied so that we don't focus on the things that matter. Yeah, keep us Like, how do I make my life better? How do I be a better father? How do I be a better husband? How do I be a better dad? How do I be a better friend? People don't think about things like that anymore because they're so busy their mind is busy about that next thing I need to buy or that next car I need to get or that next job I need to have because we're wired in this materialistic way. Mm-hmm. And when I go and I read stuff from Buddha, it kind of brings me back to how I feel things should be is mm-hmm. to where we focus on the things that that are more spiritual and eternal like relationships with people than just going out and acquiring a bunch of stuff. It, it just brings me back to making me realize why I'm here and it's to be an impact for people. You know, it's not to acquire a bunch of things, right. which is how I lived my life before, you know, and I had the Mercedes. I, I you know, I, I was given a free Mercedes actually a hundred thousand mm. dollar car on stage. I had the, you know, $70,000 presidential diamond encrusted Rolex. You know, nice. I had the, you know, the $10,000 platinum diamond ring, you know, for the position that we hit, in our network marketing no, company. No, that's interesting. Are you still trying to get rid of those? Because uh, I can make arrangements. <laughs> I got rid of to, those a long time ago, I brother. I can make arrangements to pick those up. So your brain is constantly active. You can figure out stuff, right? Pretty, pretty much figure things out. Like, tell, tell us what you mean by uh, by that, uh, the way you have that ability to figure stuff out. Because I think my son's kind of along the same lines where I'm constantly fascinated by his ability to... I'll hand him something that's got me completely stumped and he just cracks the code just on his own. Things intrigue me. Mm-hmm. Just the way th- 
I don't know. I think it's just the human mind really is what intrigues me. So when I see something, I don't just look at it as that. I look at it as that was a thought in someone's mind and they put this thing together and I want to figure out what they were thinking. Mm. Like how, how reverse engineer. Yeah. How does it work? You know, what does what, if I move this, it does this. Like, I don't know. I've, it's just like building guns. Like anytime I've ever wanted to, to do something or learn something, I've never failed. Mm -hmm. To me, I guess failure doesn't really exist. It was create, it was man-made because if you try something, we all know you're going to make mistakes along the way. I mean, that's a given, right? If you're going to pick up a guitar and you've never played a guitar before, would you agree? You're going to make mistakes. You're, <laughs> you're going to sound horrible. People are going to probably make fun of you. Um, if you allow all of that chatter to affect you emotionally, right. then you might quit. But if you don't let that stuff affect you and all you're focused on is I want to learn to play the guitar and you can tune all that out. Well, eventually, if you do the wrong thing long enough, you're eventually going to figure out what's right. Yeah, I think that goes back to what you were saying earlier, how we just we're constantly distracted. Our time is taken up with trivial things that are that's got our minds constantly looking on something else. I would like to point out though, speaking of being distracted, uh, if you're hearing in the background of this podcast a roaring siren, that's because it's Wednesday, the first Wednesday of a month, and we're in Texas. And so we get you know blue tornado sirens. Tornado sirens, even though it's sunny and blue skies right now outside. Uh, so if you do hear that, I just want you to know there, there's not uh, an air raid happening. Well, you just taught me something new. Oh, really? I've lived here for, what, six years now? I never knew it was the first Wednesday of every month. First just, Wednesday. Every, every once in a while, they come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you'll, you'll, you'll now hear a siren um, in the middle of the day. Uh, in fact, noon. Right now, I think it's noon everywhere. I'm not positive on that. But I think it's uh, 12 o'clock, wherever you are in Texas. You have to fact check me on this, but uh, I think there is a part of Texas that is on a different time zone. Oh yes, yes, out west, uh, El Paso is a mountain time zone. But I think but, east too, yeah. No, no, it's or all else, central. It's mostly central. There's no east. Yeah. So it's just west. Because so I know there's one part, right? One part, yeah, just the El Paso area, right? I mean, which makes it's, it's always bugged me. I don't care about your train schedules. I don't care about any of the daylight and all that stuff. Why is the entire state of Texas in the central time zone, except for El Paso, just continue? Here's what I want to know. Who determined that? Yeah. That was... What human had that much power that right. they could declare a time zone? Right. Well, I, I, think, <laughs> I think the original map, and again, everybody can fact check me later, but I think it was done with railroad companies. That's and what I heard. Time schedules. Yeah. And then, of course, the federal government got involved. And the next thing you know, we've got this goofy map that cuts states in half. I'm sure it's all political. Oh, when you get isn't everything, though? It. There's a major city in South Dakota or North Dakota or a Dakota that the time zone gets so close to it. It's got to be confusing if you live on one side and work on the other. I don't have an Internet signal here, so... So be it. But uh, I think it's Bismarck. Might be Fargo. It's in the Dakotas. Anyhow, so on an earlier episode of At The Mic, I interviewed your lovely wife, Cambry Nelson. Where did y'all meet? I recruited her. To, to marry you? That, that was the <laughs> second time. Actually, so a guy that I knew up in New York, I flew up to help him launch his business. She was a three-way call. Oh, okay. So she was someone that he put me on the phone with to talk about our business. 
And she was actually getting ready to fly out to meet owners of another company Uh where they were trying to recruit her. I see. Well, apparently I was so good. (laughs) She went on that trip and she came back and called me and said, here's my credit card to sign me up. I mean, it was literally like that. She called and said, here's my credit card. Just sign me up. So should you send a thank you card to the other company for making such a bad pitch? Right. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to think I'm that good, but maybe they were that bad. There you go. Sorry. So that's how we met. You know, we started building the business together and she was putting me on the phone with people and, you know, we were making money together. And then I ended up flying out to Texas to do an event with her um, and her team and ended up going home and coming right back. So I moved out here and then everything, just our whole life just took off from that point. I feel like my life started at that point, you know, is when we came together, we started building a business together and uh, we were traveling all over the world, Australia, all throughout the Caribbean, Costa Rica. I traveled all over Europe. I lived in Africa for a few months. What was that like? Opening up. I was mainly in Accra, Ghana. But I was like all over the west coast of Africa in Cameroon. So we were actually marketing our fuel treatment there. They, Their electrical grid is not the same as it is here. Yeah. So their electricity is on and off all day long. Like I could be speaking at an event with 2,000 people in the room. And the first time this ever happened, it was really odd. I was up on stage, probably about 2,000 people in the room. All the power went out. And one of my guys ran up to me and told me to just keep going because I stopped. And apparently it's like offensive if I stop because that's normal to them. Oh, like boy. that life is normal. And for me, when the power goes off, like here, life stops. Like what, what do I do? We'll you know, wait. like if I'm in a meeting room or something, right? Uh-huh. I don't have my PowerPoint anymore. So I just continued my presentation in the dark. Yeah, 10 minutes later, power comes back on and like... <laughs> It was normal, you know, so that, that was interesting. Um, the roads there are interesting. They don't have grocery stores like we do. So if you if you need to go grocery shopping, you drive down the street and you find the guy with the milk and then you drive farther and you find the people that have the eggs. And like, it, it's just a totally different lifestyle. It makes you really appreciate what we have here. Yeah. And yeah. it makes you realize why the rest of the world talk so much crap about Americans. Right, because I just, earlier in this conversation, complained about having all these choices of cheese. Right. And I'm like, wow, which one am I supposed to get? Is yeah, this the see, right now, one? if I was in, if you were in Africa, you're going to take whatever cheese is available right. that day on whatever road you're traveling on. <laughs> great, great dichotomy there between the two experiences, it, huh? It, uh, I'll tell you one thing, though. People there are very spiritual. Hmm. I've always heard that, but I never really experienced it. Um, I would say the second I, I stepped on the ground of that place, I, I felt it. Mm. Everybody there talks about God, talks about spirituality. They're very aware of those things versus here. We're so, like we said, we're so busy, busy, busy. No one ever talks about it except for the people that go to church on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Otherwise during the week, it's nothing, nothing, nothing. Oh, Sunday it's church. We can talk about it. And it's only for an hour or two. Then you go to lunch and then you're right back into your normal business there. They do church all week long. I actually went to church service many times while I was there. Um, and I mean, one of them I went to was like five hours long. And it was it was incredible. Like you didn't feel like it was five hours, but it's in like intense worship. Totally different than here. And that may say something to the spirituality uh, trajectory 
of America. The busier we've gotten and the more distracted we've become, the less spiritual we've been. And, you know, 150 years ago, a lot less to distract you. Well, it's easier for the government to control non-spiritual people. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't care about spirituality, which is really what they would like, right? They don't want you to be a Christian. Mm Mm-hmm. If you have no spirituality, it's easy for them to make you feel like you need them because you're not getting what you need from within yourself. Mm -hmm. So now you've got to go outside of yourself and get that need from somewhere else. And that's where the government's going to stand there with your, you know, these checks that they're giving out right now. Um, Everybody's got a motive, it seems like. Like, that's the world we live in now. Like, you can't trust anybody's word anymore about anything. So I question everything. Mm -hmm. Yep. So earlier we touched on... Your career in the fitness world, being a fitness trainer, you were in management. Um, When I sent this email out, you listed as one of your regrets um, the fact that you did take steroids. Yep. Do you want to touch on that? Because you said that really messed you up. It did. It, it, It basically took away my ability to ever have my own kid, which is... You know, which is really crappy. Man, I am so sorry. Oh. The the day that I was told that was right. I mean, I'm 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 good now. I, I have two stepkids, so I was able to to at least have that, you know, mm-hmm. and they'll be in my life forever. But other than you know, it, it's it's a hard pill to swallow, you know, because I didn't realize back then what I was doing to myself. I worked in the gym, you know, most of the guys that were in the gym that I was training were all taking steroids. So it was natural for me to do it. And again, I was uneducated, right? From, you know, when you're a young kid, you're just thinking, oh, cool, I can take this and I'm going to start, I'm just going to start getting big real fast, right? Mm-hmm. And I did get real big real fast, but I did abuse it too because I have an addictive personality. Um, I was addicted to drugs when I was younger. I did meth and heroin and acid and did that whole run for, you know, four or five years. Luckily, got off of it, no rehab, nothing, just totally kicked it and moved on. Then I started my career working. Okay. So naturally, steroid is a drug. It is addicting. Now, you don't get high when you take it, but you get high on the feeling of strength. Right. Because your strength, the meat, I mean, you just start, you'll start doubling your weight. And you're like, whoa, this feels really light. Last week, I couldn't even lift it up. And you get addicted to the mirror. You get, you just get sure. addicted. And then people, you know, saying things to you like, man, sure. you're looking yoked. You're looking bigger. You get bigger. You get, all that fills your head and it feeds the drug. Right. To where it's like, I just wanted to take more. And it got to the point where me and my friends were like competing where I was taking it every day instead of once a week to try to outdo them. You know what I mean? And had no idea what I was doing to myself. How long were you taking them? Oh, years. Yeah. Um, I never cycled off, which I didn't know you're supposed to cycle off, you know, every so many weeks you got to get off and then you've got to take hormones to get your natural hormones to kick back on again. Oh. You know, like your body produces testosterone. Well, when you're taking it, your body production shuts down because it's going, hey, there's enough. I don't need to produce any. Well, you can only do that for a short period of time. And then you've got to take things to get that back into gear again. Right. Um, Like HCG and things like that. It's called post-cycle therapy. Okay. I never did any of that. I just kept taking it and taking it and taking it and taking it and taking it. And then I would get off of it and I would just stop at cold turkey and then do it again, you know, and I didn't realize till later in my life, which I felt fine. But when we went into, uh, we went to Cinegenics, which, you know, it was like $10,000 for each of us. They're very expensive. 
it's like an anti-aging place here in Dallas. And they did, you know, for 10 grand, I mean, they did every kind of workup on us, blood work, this work. We had to do, you know, oxygen tests and all these things. And then I found that out, you know, that that it destroyed that for me. So how were you able to kick these drugs cold turkey? Was there something that prompted you or did you just make the decision at some point for whatever reason, I got to stop doing drugs? So I have an addictive personality, but I also have a personality to where I can only do something long enough to where eventually I get sick of it. Hmm. And it's like that with anything. Like, unless I keep innovating it, like with my company, we're always innovating, right? We're always creating new technology and and just innovating because that's I'm a creator, right? We're all creators. I love creating things. Um, yeah. I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, you know, if kids are going to experiment with that, stay away from it. It affected me in a way that I can never get that back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. Um, anything that you want to promote, you've got you've got the new book. Amazon? Is that the best place for it's it? It's on Amazon. Yep. Okay. You can go on Amazon. You can either look up my name or, or type in Unveiling the Secrets of the Rich. Unveiling um, the Secrets of the Rich. There's a lot of information in there that other people won't say. Because they're afraid. Everybody's afraid of the government. They're afraid of the IRS. Well, the IRS, when they train their agents, okay, in the IRS tax code handbook, it states in there that an accountant's job is to use the tax code to pay basically pay the least amount of taxes, right? Mm -hmm. That's what it's for. (laughs) So the government has just created this fear of itself that no one's really willing to even go investigate the things I've investigated, you know, like, like why can a Donald Trump or a Jeff Bezos not pay taxes, but I have to pay taxes. I work just as hard as them. What makes them different than me? Well, Trump said it for four years that there's two different systems. Mm -hmm. I finally discovered the (laughs) other system. There you go. And now my mission is to go out and share it with the world because it will change family's lives like i think about the fact if i had these tools or if my parents had these tools before i was born how would my life have been different just with that knowledge you know the 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 protection the taxes we would have had a better lifestyle better quality of life you know my parents would be probably more well off than they are now because they have a system in place Mm -hmm. the problem is is when you don't have a system and you're a part of the system you're getting fleeced it's designed that way and there's no way out of it other than you've got to completely emancipate yourself from the system. You have to get out of that rigged system and you have to create kind of your own family economy outside of that system, which is what I teach. You want to leverage your own banking system and this will get every, if every family did what I teach, every, every person would retire eventually because even if you work at McDonald's, if you start early and you take all that money and you run it through life insurance, remember, you can still take the money out and pay your bills with it, but you're building up a, like a, like, like a savings account on steroids, right? <laughs> Where now you're insuring your income. Mm-hmm. We're taught to insure our car. We're taught to insure our house, our health, our dogs. No one teaches us to insure our paycheck. And that's what I teach is how to take your income 
insure it in life insurance policy so that that dollar will continue to produce more dollars for the rest of your life. Or you cannot take my advice <laughs> and you could trade all your time for money, go deposit that time and that money into your traditional bank account. And then when you spend your money, you're giving away all your hours and all your time that you can never get back. There you go. Uh, Josh Nelson, unveiling the secrets of the rich. Check it out. Uh, thanks for making time, man. Anybody needs my help. This is a ministry for me. So. I love it, man. I enjoyed my conversation with Josh Nelson today. I think I need to start thinking about that tax setup that he was talking about. Wow, that sounds interesting. Hey, if you find this podcast enjoyable, uh, I hope that you'll share it with your family and your friends. Uh, you know, just send them the link at themikeshow.com and all of the episodes are there. They can choose whichever platform or or podcasting app that they use at themikeshow.com. And as you start thinking about Christmas shopping, be sure to check out the selection available to you at themikeshop.com. We've got shirts, socks, coffee mugs. Uh, oh, you could pour your APR coffee into those, right? And there's there's multiple sizes now. We got two sizes. We got a small and a large. So be sure to head over there at themikeshop.com. Next week, uh, I'm joined by a Blaze co-worker of mine, Josh Jennings. He's the former producer of Andrew Heaton, and that's episode 55, if you're catching up on past shows. Well, until next time, please go be free, and thank you for listening. This has been At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Head to atthemikeshow.com for archived episodes, sponsor information, and ways to connect. 